844-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome in. It is, as far as I can tell, it is the Thursday edition of The Drive. I'm Dan Peck. I was not here yesterday, uh, but I'm but I'm back today. I had I had a, a previous engagement at Troy. We've also got Drew at the controls. He's uh, he's he's popping in. He was delayed a little bit. Bill Cameron had a previous engagement. On campus, Drew, you can take a seat somewhere else for the rest of the segment because I'm on I'm on this microphone. I'll switch off at uh, in, in, in a in, in a couple of minutes. But we've got uh, yeah, Bill Cameron will be uh, will be joining us as well. Loaded Thursday edition of the show. We're going to talk. Oh, Bill's here. Okay, so so we're going to talk with uh, uh, we're, we're going to talk with Justin Ferguson in just a couple of minutes. Uh, he is uh, uh, the Auburn Observer. Uh, he was at last night's victory for the Auburn men's basketball team. Over Virginia Tech, very impressive uh, victory uh, for Auburn. Janai Broom uh, with the thirty-point uh, double-double, a, a dominant performance uh, for Auburn center, and uh, a uh, yeah game where the the jungle showed out. The the uh, the arena. I was unable to go. Again, mentioned I had a, a previous engagement out of town, but I've since watched the game. I was able to listen to most of the broadcast, and uh, and yeah, out, outstanding work by by Andy and Sonny. We'll we'll talk with Sonny tomorrow. I believe on a, on another show that I'm going to miss, but yeah, last night Auburn was uh, Auburn was, was was really able to uh, to jump on Virginia Tech early, make them try to play from behind, and the uh, the pressure only mounted, uh, especially from the uh, from the defensive side, and, and coupled with a uh, with a great game inside uh, for, uh, for for Janai Broom. So yeah, we'll talk about that with Justin Ferguson. Uh, we will also talk about that uh, in hour number two uh, with our new Thursday guest. Uh, Tiger takes uh, the basketball edition. First and foremost, uh, let's uh, let's salute uh, Zepp Jasper for his service the last couple of seasons as our uh, as our Tiger takes guest. It was a uh, it was great uh, being able to talk with Zepp and, and get an inside perspective on the Auburn men's basketball team and, and what was going on inside the locker room. This uh, uh, one of one of the really cool things about the NIL era is that it's opened up our show to have segments like uh, Tiger takes with, uh, with 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 athletes from uh, you know athletes who are on the team in the moment. And uh, and so yeah, Zep was uh, Zep was great these last couple of seasons, and uh, we're gonna miss uh, having Zep on the show as part of Tiger Takes. But we have uh, we have found a replacement, and I, and I think it's uh, it's a capable and exciting uh, replacement for uh, for Zep Jasper, and he's gonna make his debut uh, later uh, later on in this show. And that's uh, Dylan Cardwell, uh, who's gonna be joining us in hour number two as our uh, as our representative for. Uh, uh, for, for for Tiger Takes, and and that's uh, brought to you by uh, the Alsobrook Law Group, and uh, yeah, we're we're really uh, really excited about that. David Pascal, our usual Thursday guest in hour number two, has a high school playoff uh, engagement, and so he's not going to be able to join us today. But he is on the uh, he is on the slate for tomorrow's show. So so still some some uh, some shuffling going around, but we're going to talk to Ferguson in just a moment. And uh, we're uh, going to talk uh, in hour number two uh, with, uh, with with Dylan Cardwell, who's joining us now as part of the uh, men's basketball Tiger Takes we've got going on this season. And I want to uh, are you re- you ready to go? You still need a uh... uh, all right, all right. Hold on. Let's 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 bring in uh, let's bring in still Bill Cameron. Got... Yeah, 
Uh, there we go. Bill Cameron joins us. It's been one of those days, man. It has been. It has been a day. Next to the last day of classes on campus, and it's a tough day when um, there's nobody else around but you. So that's just uh, the way it goes. <clears throat> but that's what that's what the uh, that's what they pay me the big bucks for. You, you were at and, least that's that's and, what they say. And well, and let's also let's keep keep it a little on topic by saying it's also. After a night game where the the game started, I mean, that's, oh, the that's, game was late. We went last night. Uh, it was around eight thirty. It seemed like when eight, it got started. I think it was closer to eight thirty than eight fifteen. Yeah, it was. A it slated, was. Slated, I knew it was well yeah. past eight fifteen. Uh, but but yeah, it wasn't the prettiest game. But I really felt that the the area of concern that Bruce Pearl had had discussed all in the preseason and early on, I thought was their strong point last night. I mean, defense. I thought Auburn really played well defensively last night and this team has a chance to be very good we, defensively we both raised the question about well you're losing alan flanagan and zepp jasper and wendell from a yeah. perimeter defense that was that was uh, tough at times last year struggled at times as well but uh you know what, what what was this new group going to look like you know so many minutes were going to guards who weren't on last year's team and i think the perimeter defense has really responded well yeah that then, was a team that was a team that shoots it pretty darn well and uh, Auburn contested a lot of their shots. They had some open shots, didn't make them. But uh, I, I thought they played well defensively. I mean, look, you're looking last night, Aiden Holloway doesn't score. Uh, Jalen Williams didn't score his first basket, uh, or I guess his only basket, until right at the end of the game. Denver Jones uh, didn't have a prolific night shooting and scoring. And Auburn wins going away. I mean, they, they, they led throughout, jumped out to that 11-1 lead, and you know the, I guess, did they ever get closer than seven? I'm trying to recall. I don't maybe think so. six once, but it would seem like seven would be about as close as they'd get. Then Auburn would stretch it back up to 13, 14. In the in the second half, did it get much closer than nine? No, I feel like I feel no, like it was... I, well, um, they may have cut it. To, yeah, I think they cut it to eight one okay. time. All right, but I mean, it was one of those where anytime it started to look like, oh, this might get close. Auburn would go ahead and stretch it back out. Yeah, it's five wins in a row now uh, for Auburn, and, and, and this one I think may be the most impressive of the five. The Notre Dame game, I think. Bo- I mean, both of the both of the wins in Brooklyn, considering the opponent and the uh, and, and and how complete the victories were, I thought those were both really impressive wins too. But but this was at home against an ACC team that had uh, you know that that had been uh, you know they they they'd seen some good competition. This year, and, uh, and and it's a team that had been pretty good under that coach's tenure. So yeah, this is a uh, yeah, it's a it's a really nice win, and and a win where Auburn sets the tone early. And some of these teams that can't, you, you know, some something I noticed about Bruce Pearl's teams, and I think this year there's there's it's it's more on display than before. Bill is one of the great things about having depth is that effort is never an issue on the court. Because if someone's not giving effort and the backup is just as good, you're not going to leave them in the game, especially in Bruce Pearl's system. Like, the, you know, it, it, a system that requires what they always talk about, the buy-in and the effort. I've, I've seen college basketball programs in my travels where the starter was so much better than any other option that not that the Oh, yeah, I mean... The, that that you'd be you know you'd be at times very hesitant to make those changes. Auburn gets somebody who picks up a couple of quick fouls. You don't really, I mean, it can it can be a difference in style of play a little bit, 
but you have not noticed any drop-offs in the overall team if somebody has to go to the bench. Now, the one exception, I mean, last night, um, man, Janai Broom was unstoppable last night. He, I mean, Virginia Tech had no answer for him. I mean, 30 and 13, um, just just a phenomenal performance from Janai. But even with Janai, the, the importance of having depth because... Oh, yeah, I mean, Dylan, Dylan comes in and has, has really played well defensively early on. You see, we talked about him a little yesterday. Um, it didn't, he didn't have many opportunities there in the low post, but, I mean, he, you can tell he's really worked on his offense as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to him in a little over an hour at 5.30. And, and then a couple of the newcomers that we just kind of always have to bring up when we're talking. I mean, you can take your pick, but I think between Cheney and Chad Baker-Mazzara. Chad like last, last night. night. Chad was great early on before he, uh, you know, had the uh, had to have the hand seen about, and it was taped up. And you know, you were worried because that's his left hand. He's left-handed. He told reporters he's okay, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yep, he says that's he's what fine. he said. But I mean, he early on they had no answer for him. It was a combination of Janai and Chad early on last night. They had twenty-seven of Auburn's first thirty-three, and it wasn't like oh, it was thirty. It was it was thirty-three to twenty or whatever. And I mean, they had combined for for a lot more points than Virginia Tech had. Yeah, you, you were you were telling me off the air you like Cheney, uh, who's sort you know he's he's got you know he, he, hit the, he hit the three pointer last night. Hit three pointer early. I mean, I, I like his coming around as a yeah, as, as a D one. You can player. see he's getting more confidence offensively, defensively though. He's uh, he's he's another one of those aggressive, strong rebounding uh, guy for especially for a player that that was. 6-2 just a few years ago. Yeah, Ch- uh, Chad, for me, jumps off the page, though. I mean, he does. Immediately, His athleticism. Like, yeah. He is so quick. He is so long. I mean, he, he it's almost – it's like a – like a, a, a spider out there. Does he how many legs? Does he have any arms? Does he have that he can be well, you know reaching out with? He's who, so quick. Who's the guy from the Fantastic Four? Um, uh, Mister Elastic. Mr. I think Mister Fantastic. Mister. Yeah, I guess he is Mister. Yeah, the the Elastic guy. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, the, yeah. well, I think that's so. Yeah, Mister. Stre- I guess. I guess. Stretch Armstrong also. Has I can tell you his name. I'm trying, but I'm trying to think of exactly think, what they called him. Right. I think he's. I think he's Mister Fantastic. But 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 he. That's that's. I mean, that's superpower, that, right? That's, that sounds like a performer. He's playing in Vegas, Mister Fantastic. That's right, Mister Entertainment himself, Chad Baker Mazzara. <laughs> no, but but his. Uh, no, you're right. His and and the the shot is quick too, isn't it? I mean, you see that like that. That's an like you, you can't give him a moment's notice or he'll put up yeah the the three point shot and he's and he's pretty good with that too so yeah I'm uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the future of this team we're going to talk like we said we're going to talk with Dylan uh, in in the next hour we're going to talk with uh, Justin Ferguson about Auburn men's basketball as they get ready to head to Boone it is Mr Fantastic in the Reed uh, in Richards the I could I could remember Richards. Reed Richards yeah. but I could not remember whether he was captain this or Mister that or yeah so Chad, well Chad yeah. Baker, Chad Baker Mazar doing his best Reed Richards at yes. times uh, last night for sure yeah and uh, hey more more man players. I thought the portal didn't open until Ooh, Monday. Portal mania. I'm telling you, players are, they can't wait to let everyone know that they're going to enter the portal on Monday. But, I mean, we have players, more and more players entering the portal. Quite a list of quarterbacks already, wouldn't you say? I would, I would think so. And, and there's going to be, it's going to be a pretty crowded NFL draft class with quarterbacks, too. We were, we were talking about that earlier today, and... Uh, and yeah, so it would make sense that we're going to see a lot of movement from some of the best teams in college football. I mean, there's a chance. I don't know if Georgia would look to the portal, 
But, I mean, Carson Beck is draft eligible and having an outstanding yep. season. Like he really this. is. We were talking about it a while ago when, when you were in, in the office, and Carson Beck has quietly had a great year. And gotten better like, yes. o- over the course of, uh, of of that year. So, yeah, no, I think that's a guy uh, who and, – and he's 6'4 and seems to do oh, no everything kidding. a team like – He's big. He's athletic. He doesn't – I mean, he he has good pocket presence – uh, he's not he's not just a statue, but he doesn't run, but he doesn't have to. I would be nervous about a guy who's only played a year of college football if I were an NFL team, but I don't know if, if teams would necessarily share that concern when they've seen what they've seen if they like go into the the science of of how uh, of how Carson Beck has has played this year. But no, I would expect a a very busy portal period, and that's I mean, let alone. What do you think? The, but here, here's a question. Like, so the the teams that make the playoff, they can still <laughs> they they can still recruit players who are in the portal. Yes, it's just they, do they what's what's spent? Do they get an extra couple of days? So how how does it work? With isn't there a isn't there a, is it is it players who are on those teams? They have, have extra, yes they they the they have thirty days from the day. Is that right? There's something special. There's something special about the four teams that make the playoff. I want to see they have like an extra. They do have some extra time. I don't remember. Maybe maybe uh, Fergal uh, remember that, but they do have extra time because of that situation. Any really interesting quarterback uh, as far as the guys that have you know of the names that have gone into the portal? There there are quite a few pretty interesting. I mean, you know, there was all the talk of Riley Leonard. Uh, what is going on there? Um, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall was last year's. You know, name that everyone thought, oh, here's a guy if Auburn, you know, if he can get in, that's the guy Auburn's going to get. I'm I'm hearing, Dan, I'm hearing that's not the case this year. Well, Even it, though it looks like, oh, yes, since he's a grad transfer, he could get in to, you would figure, just about any school. I don't, I don't get the feeling he's at the top of Auburn's list or maybe even near the very top of Auburn's list right now. Is, is this a case where um, Grayson McCall, you know, where, where – Day old bread is half off, right? Where where people look at it and they maybe, think maybe, like, and I mean you know, now, and now the question is how healthy and the is he going to be? Yeah, pretty significant injury towards the second half of the mm-hmm. season. I mean, this guy was a a, a three time Sun Belt player of yeah, the year in his, right. in his college football career. I mean, a guy was a highly successful quarterback at Coastal, and and one would think they're getting something really special. I look to uh, how about DJ uh, Uyagalele? 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 Uh, leaving, uh, I think we get. It's, it's, you can splice that together, and there's a correct pronunciation. Yeah. I'm, I, I feel pretty confident in mine. What do you got? Ui Ungalale. Ui Ungalale. Okay, so so he's. I think I got it right that time. But he's he's going into the uh, the transfer portal, and with the possibility of going pro. Could I go mean, pro, yeah. I mean, also 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 draft eligible. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think. I mean, Will Rogers is uh, is out there. We had a you know KJ Jefferson. It's funny. Uh, have you seen the projections or the, the the folks that feel like where it's likely that Will Rogers winds up? I would think that Will Rogers ends up at a Big Twelve school that runs like an air raid adjacent type of program. Is it like Texas Tech or something? What, what I what I've seen today is Western Kentucky. Okay, huh. because he wants to play in that kind of offense, and from what some people are saying, he's not concerned about playing professionally. He wants to coach. Okay, you know we heard there were rumors. I think we talked about this on the air. There were rumors that Spencer Sanders had 
had had specific ideas about moving pivoting to coaching in mind when he was looking at, at different programs and apparently that was one of the things I guess the way that Ooh. The way Lane Kiffin has boosted young coaches' careers, namely Charlie Weiss Jr., but there have been other ones too. I guess that was something that Spencer Sanders thought was was maybe intriguing. And we're seeing mm-hmm. we've heard of quarterbacks considering that in the portal. Like the fact that, oh, they they could have a chance to learn from coach whoever and then right. pivot to coaching maybe for that coach uh in, in the immediate future. Uh, just saw. Well, yeah, you you made a you made a. Yeah, I just I just saw a note out. I wonder is he is he in the portal? Um, because one of the things we've talked about is you know Auburn's going to need. Uh, they Jason Caldwell yesterday was saying Auburn definitely could be in the market for an experienced safety or corner because of the number of players that are most likely not returning next year from the secondary. And somebody just said, and, and I haven't seen this officially, Jalen Stinson, the Opelika product who has been outstanding at Duke, would be probably would be someone that Auburn would be very interested in this time around. Should have been the first time. And, and I think whenever you hear about anyone from Duke, we talked about this, uh, you know, the, the idea that Riley Leonard, and we haven't heard as much about Riley Leonard to A&M. No, but I have I not would, heard anything about And Riley Leonard went into the portal with a – do not contact. I would I would wonder if anyone from Duke who goes into the portal could be a candidate for uh, to, to reunite with Mike Elko. Yeah, sure, at, that at would A&M make and, sense. Especially, especially with the success so, that, that, that Elko had there at Duke. Especially on the defensive side. We saw Hugh Freeze, not the same thing, but we saw Hugh Freeze bring a couple of players from, from Liberty mm-hmm. uh, with, with him who knew the system. And, and, and I wonder if Stinson would maybe think, hey, there's a chance. And if and look, and if it's if it's about NIL. You know, having Texas A&M interested in you wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either, because that that seems to be a, a a program with resources. So, yeah, that's a uh, uh, that's that's an interesting development. All right, we'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Get, get Drew in. Here. We'll bring Drew in behind the board. I'll answer this call, All right. and we'll be back here on the Thursday Drive. On the drive, the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan here with uh, Drew at the controls. Yeah, we finally have things uh, sorted out. Dan's just in for a day and then and then heading back out. Where is it you are this weekend again? Memphis. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to plug my headphones in still. Well, I can still hear you. Oh, I got, well, yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, all right. okay. Um, all right. Uh, I was trying. I didn't remember. I'm I didn't going to remember Graceland, where you Bill. were going to be. Graceland. Oh, okay. Memphis, Tennessee. Paul Simon, famously the. Uh, uh, the, the song about it, but uh, I haven't been to Memphis for uh, uh, even more than just traveling through in, uh, in in a long period of time. So I'm uh, I'm excited about getting to spend at least a night. Yeah, go go check things out. Any anything I got to see? Spending a, a well, day or two Matt in would be the one to be able to tell you that. Okay, since, maybe uh, since 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 he and Ariel live there, maybe because this will get we to pretty Matt. much went up there, visited with them. They took us uh, a couple of places. Um, you know, around downtown, which is which has been renovated and is really nice. Tell you what, in- interesting season so far. Troy's zero and four, but they're close, and like three of them have been against teams that are really recognized as high quality. One of them was a bit of an upset, but 
it's it's four close losses, and you feel like you know once once league play gets rolling, or even before, uh, th- things could turn around in the win loss column. So yeah, it's it's you know for a team that's done a lot of winning under Coach Rigby. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's it's an unusual position. They don't have that many four game losing streaks in in her tenure, let alone an zero and four start uh, to a season. But I still would not. You know, I I worry. I don't worry. I think teams might take Troy lightly, thinking, "Oh, look at this record. You know, look at this win loss." Yeah, that'd record. be good. Catch them, catch them thinking that uh, they can. Yeah, overlook I think someone. Them. I think something. I mean, between Memphis and then Georgia uh, next week, we're going to Athens. Uh, both of those, you know, team could uh, catch uh, catch one in the jaw. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That is the drive hotline presented by Skybar, and we're going to get to it right now and welcome in. Guy who is uh, with us when he can be here on Thursdays, but he has been he's been traveling about to hit the road again and uh, head up to the mountains of the uh, Carolinas here, and that is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Ferg, how you doing today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Uh, it's been one of those days, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, uh, thank goodness classes are about done for the uh, for the fall term um, because. Because, yeah, some people are dropping like flies. I'm moving up the employee of the week uh, <laughs> list, uh, Justin Ferguson. Uh, that tells you a lot right there. You, yeah, you... no, absolutely. If, Dan, if, if, Dan's in, if Dan's in the driver's seat for an award. I don't know. Uh, Drew, Drew's, Drew's about there, and he, he nearly didn't make Spe- it today. Speaking of awards, you, you said yeah, the word. Yeah, congratulations, Congra- man. Congratulations. I say all the time, we are, I think, as people who consume media, I guess we also we also make some, but as people who consume it, we are treated as Auburn fans to, to you know, to, to some really, really good writing, and uh, and between you and Jason and Nathan and uh, Christian and Christian Clemente, like it's it's a uh, it's it's a stellar group recognized. Uh, you know, Jason's uh, the graybeard man. He's the he's the old man of the bunch by by far. And I mean, yeah, guys who uh, who really deserve it. And and Justin, it's uh, yeah, well well deserved. Congratulations. No, I appreciate it, and it's an honor uh, to be nominated just for any award like that. Um, but you know, I, I think it's really, really cool. And I think to your point that you just made, you know, Auburn fans, I say, I say it all the time. Y'all get spoiled at the amount of the amount of good, you know, high quality stuff you get on the Auburn beat and, and to see my friends, uh, who I've, you know, spent a lot of time with traveled with this year, uh, all three of them from, from Auburn undercover, um, you know, get nominated as well. Jason's won the award before, you know, Nathan, Nathan and Christian are much younger than me, and they're already in this position. It just shows you just kind of the talent and, and just mm-hmm. the, the hard work they do over there. And so it, it, it's super cool to be nominated for it at all, but especially with, with those three guys because, um, you know, Auburn, Auburn dominated that, that nomination list. There's only seven that got nominated, and four of us cover Auburn, so I think that tells you a lot. And that, of course, is for, the, uh, for Alabama Sports Writer of the Year. And, yeah, good luck. I, I've always wanted to say that. Oh, it's an honor to be nominated. Yeah, that, that yeah. <laughs> it would be. That's that's absolutely right. Yeah, we're told we're told it's yeah, an honor what, to be. Uh, that's what we hear to, to, to be now nuts. No, no we, we, that's we, really we've cool. Got, we got one of those things. We do. Up on the show we we got the, yeah, yeah, a couple got, of them. I think some, y'all got some awards in there. I, I've seen them before. No, and there's and there's you know what? There's buzz for that food episode we did of the Observer. You know, a lot of folks are talking absolutely. about. That's probably what did it right yeah, there. That pushed that, it over the top. A lot of people. A lot of people think that's that's what's going on. All right, so so Justin, let's um. I mean, what what do you think, Bill? Iron Bowl or or last night's game? Uh, I think we I think we ought to start off with football. Okay, uh, you know, J- Justin, a an instant classic. 
Uh, ESPN Classic's not around anymore, uh, but you're confident, That's right? surprising, that, isn't it? Isn't it? Many, with as many networks as they have. If, if ESPN Classic were still around, uh, you feel confident that the 2023 Iron Bowl would have found its way uh, onto, the, onto the broadcast uh, lineup pretty quickly, and, and then largely, largely because of the finish. Uh, you know, you, you've had a couple of days now to, to, to think about it endlessly, probably like everybody else. Um, yeah, you know what? What? What do you? What? What comes to mind immediately from uh, for, for, from Auburn's uh, last second uh, defeat uh, in the Iron Bowl? Well, I, obviously, not surprised at all that Auburn, you know, uh, played well and played hard against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. That's at home. That's usually what happens in those situations. Um, and, and I'm not surprised either that Auburn couldn't finish it off at the end, even in the improbable circumstances. You know, obviously everything that had to go right for Alabama, um, you know, down the stretch for them to get that win. It just felt like this Auburn team, it just kind of personified the way this season's kind of gone, and they just, it's just not there yet. And, and, you know, down the stretch of these games, um, when you lose, you know, three games to top ten teams by a possession, uh, it's just they couldn't finish. And, and, again, like I said, the Alabama game is in a class of its own and how it worked, but, like, it, it is kind of fitting for the way this kind of season went for Auburn that they played really well at home. But it just wasn't enough against some better teams. And so, um, you know, obviously the last play has been, I'm sure, been scrutinized and it's going to be second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever guess from now until the end of time. Um, so I think more now it's just it, – it, I think big picture, the big takeaway I'm going to get from the 2023 Iron Bowl was it showed how Auburn isn't there yet. But also, like, I, I there are some aspects of that game to show, like, hey, if they – if things can can if they can make the right moves here moving forward, they might not be as far off from competing consistently with the Georgias and Alabamas of the world. You know, moving forward, um, they've got to make some changes. They've got to correct some things. But when you play a game like that against Alabama, when you play a game like that earlier in the season against Georgia or even Ole Miss, um, the way they succeeded against you know Ole Miss's offense, I think that shows just kind of what the foundation is. It's just going to be now up to Hugh Freeze and the staff to make some really tough calls and really tough decisions to try to push this this thing forward because it's going to take a lot of hard work to compete. But you know maybe Auburn's not as far off as we might have thought originally. If you told me, uh, you know, we were talking about this, you know, the, the different stats where you know just isolate that and you can probably guess how the game went. If you had told me Auburn's production at wide receiver was going to be five catches for. Whatever, whatever Var and not many, whatever Var and Burton had uh, combined, and that and that was going to be all. I, I would have guessed a very one-sided Alabama victory. Auburn's ability right. to run the ball, you know, was uh, is, is is one story there. I, I guess the other side of that would be Auburn's need to uh, improve its uh, its its threat of explosive plays in the passing game. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's the big question this offseason, right? And I'm sure y'all talked about it this week, and it's going to be talked about for the next several weeks. What is Auburn going to do to upgrade their passing game in the offseason? And there are so many different directions and paths you can go from that. But the fact of the matter is, against teams with winning records, against teams that were ranked, against, you know, in the losses Auburn had this year, uh, which all those, there's a ton of overlap between those three categories. What Auburn did through the air just was not good enough. Um, you know, Peyton Thorne's numbers, huge drop-off between those, and then the games where Auburn won, and then they were successful, and they were obviously playing, um, you know, lesser-quality opponents. They've got to find a way to take that step forward 
And that's what makes this offseason so intriguing for Auburn because you can look at every element of the passing game, right? You can look at the quarterback. You can look at the wide receiver. You can look at the coaching. You can, look, you can even look at some aspects of the offensive line. And you can see every one of those spots you can make a move or you could do something different for 2024. And so that's the big thing. When you run the ball like you did against Alabama, you, you know you've got a running game, right? You, you know the defense – made the stops it needed to make. It wasn't perfect, but they played well at times this season and carried you in some games that you needed. Um, you know, special teams, even with you know, the mistakes down the stretch, like that that still was a strength of our receiver. The passing game, though, is, you know, explosive passing and passing against teams that are good has been the biggest thing that has separated Auburn from really the rest of the contenders in college football over the last decade or so, Right the exception maybe being the 2017 season where they were able to throw the ball pretty well uh, downfield with Jared Stidham and those guys, and obviously they came a step close to you know, making it to the playoff. That's what they got to do more consistently. And so whether it is getting a new quarterback or finding ways to upgrade the talent around Peyton Thorne or changing things up with your coaching staff or getting better pass protection up front, like however various ways you can do that this offseason, Auburn's got to do it because – if they do, if they have this kind of output on offense through the air against quality competition moving forward, they're just not going to compete, and it's going to be a pretty frustrating tenure for Hugh Freeze. So he knows it. He's just got to figure out what to do. And and I think that you know Saturday in the Iron Bowl was a great example of that. How much better could Auburn have been in that game if they just had any sort of downfield passing threat? Meanwhile, Alabama did, and they won the game with it. Yeah, and well, I mean Auburn did have a couple as as bad as it was. They had a couple of opportunities, Rivaldo Fairweather and then the second and goal from the five. Those two plays right there uh, could have meant another seven points, at least three, I think, on the um, pass to Fairweather and four more on, a, you know, turning a field goal into a touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that goes back to what I said earlier. Like, when you look at this, this season for Auburn and the story for it, it's just they were just not good enough and they just fell short. Um, you know, in too many of those kind of areas down the stretch, and, and passing is one of them. Like, they had some good plays. They had some good throws. They had some opportunities. They just couldn't hit them consistently enough. And, and they got to figure out what the answer is going to be. And that, like I said, that is that could be a different quarterback. That could be a different offensive coordinator. That could be new wide receiver talent. I think it's definitely going to be wide receiver talent. But, you know, just who that looks like will be remains to be seen. Could be finding a way to be better in pass protection up front on the offensive line. Like, all those elements have to come together. I like the foundation Auburn has in the running game. I like mm-hmm. what they have on defense, um, and I feel like they can take some steps forward there with what Ron Roberts helped build this season. And obviously, I think Auburn's special teams is, is pretty good. Um, it's just that's a big area. And in modern football, you got to be able to throw to win. And they just, they just couldn't do it consistently enough against teams that matter. Talking with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here on the Thursday Drive. We're running behind. Need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on the directions or direction that that Auburn goes in that way. And obviously, we'll get some basketball in as Auburn winning handily last night in their matchup in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. with 
Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan drew the controls. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer on the Drive Hotline. And, uh, yeah, we were just uh, looking at, at more and more players, Justin, that are, that are getting in the portal. Auburn does have – there's so many options of ways you can go about, as you were talking about, improving the passing game. There are multiple quarterbacks who've announced that they're either going to enter the portal or they are in the portal because they're grads or their, their uh, coach has left. But it seems like, man, the, the list of quarterbacks right now is, is, uh, uh, is, is pretty large considering the portal doesn't officially open for everyone until Monday. Yeah, no, I, I, it's not surprising. I mean, this is we saw this past year just kind of like how valuable a transfer quarterback can be. I mean, look, I mean, the Heisman race is all, all transfer quarterbacks, basically, at this point, and Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. Like, this is, this is the type of thing you need to do uh, you know, if you want to compete at the highest level, if you don't have an elite five-star quarterback or a guy that you, you know, you you've trained up early on, why not go out and get somebody who's done it before and and you feel like you can push it to the next level because that is such an experience, you know, factor. Especially, you know, we're we're getting towards the end of the kids that played in 2020, so like you're getting to the end of these fifth and sixth-year guys that are they're going to have all that extra eligibility. So, um, yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense and. I do wonder what Auburn's going to do because they do have a quarterback on their roster right now who would be a very experienced starter next season in Peyton Thorne. And mm-hmm. I see the benefit uh, and I see the path of like, hey, run it back with him, upgrade the talent around him, give him an offseason to work uh, in the system and, and see what that looks like next season. I, I think that's a – if Auburn goes in that direction in 2024, I don't think it is a bad one. And I don't think it's one of those things, even though some fans would be disappointed, I don't think that would necessarily be a problem um, because I think we've seen quarterbacks get better over time and later into their careers, and that experience means a lot. However, I do think when you do have the the problems Auburn had in the passing game this year, it would make sense with the market the way it is to try something out and try to see if you can upgrade your quarterback spot, whether it is getting a guy who could replace Peyton Thorne uh, at quarterback if that is your end game or – Get a guy who can at least compete with him and do the Ole Miss route, where Ole Miss, you know, got Spencer Sanders, they got uh, Walker Howard as well last year. Jackson Dart ended up returning as the starter and staying the starter, and he's going to be back again next year. But he, he was, you know, he got to get pushed uh, by guys that were going to compete with him. And I think with the amount of good transfer quarterbacks in there, if you can convince one of them to come in and really battle it out and push Peyton Thorne forward and like have a best man, may the best man win type of type of competition that could be beneficial as well. So while I could see Auburn standing pat and not going after a transfer quarterback or not trying to desperately bring one in this year, I think, you know, it would make sense for Auburn to kind of kick the tires on some of these guys and see if, see if they'd be willing to come in and, and, and fight. Part of the craziness that is going on with the transfer portal and recruiting that, that Hugh Freeze alluded to and was talking about Monday when he met with us, I mean, you've got situations where you know um, you, you, you're pretty sure you're not going to have everybody who was on your depth chart. You're trying to go out and add players to your depth chart. You're trying to recruit high school players at the same time. 
And there is, uh, like Jason was in here yesterday and saying, you know, it's, it's not like professional sports where there's a salary cap, but there is a limit to what you're going to right, be yeah. able to have. And this is also a time where you have to realize what you have and how do you use what you have? Because we're seeing, you know, like uh, Matt Rule talking about a million and a half to two million dollars is what it takes to get a top-notch quarterback. Well, if you have anywhere, if you have that type of money, do you want to spend it on a quarterback, or do you think you might be able to get a couple of defensive linemen and a and a defensive back or or something else like that for that right. same amount of money? It that's all that is having to be considered by coaches right now. And it's all happening behind the scenes, right? Like when we, like we know in the salary cap, like we know how much money the Atlanta Braves, or well, that right. Braves, that's a bad example. We know. As, Justin, as soon as you said the Atlanta Braves might have a salary cap issue, uh, you, you, <laughs> yeah. started, you started cutting the, out the, a little the, bit there. The phone, the I was like, you know what? You know what? Down. We don't need a salary cap because we're still trying to get we're still trying to get Otani and everyone. So I was gonna like, say, hey, are you are you but, buying? But with the Cowboys, okay. but like let's use the Cowboys example. Like if Cowboys need to go upgrade a, a position, they know how much we know how much money they're they're right. got. We do not know that in NIL. <laughs> you know, we we have no idea, uh, and that's what makes this thing so crazy. Between that and just the timing of everything, that's so weird. Like. Again, this is another time where I think you're desperately crying out for a real early signing period in college football. These kids who've been committed, like, look, I mean, like, it takes time. Like, you have to go make sure these guys are going to stay with you and sign with you here in a couple of weeks. And, like, that takes time away from that you could be using recruiting other guys. So, why not before the start of football season, uh, go ahead and sign these kids, lock them down. Look what they do in basketball and just say, you're already in. Go enjoy your senior year. And we'll t- we'll talk to you in a, in a few months and, and see if we can bring you on campus and enroll early and all that. I think that would just be a better you know, use of everybody's time because right now, I mean, everybody knows, you know, guys like Perry Thompson and DeAndre Carter and and you know these guys that Auburn has in this in this 2024 class. Other teams are trying to flip them because Auburn's trying to flip a bunch of other guys. And so, like, if you could be in a situation where you know that you have a chunk of your recruiting class already locked up. That would make things so much easier. And, and to Freeze's point earlier this week, it's just you have this portal window and you're trying to do practices and you're trying to get ready for a bowl game and you're trying to figure out who's going to be going to the NFL or not. And you got like all that happening all at once. It's just too chaotic. Um, so, you know, you got to make the most of it right now. But I, yeah, I agree. I don't know how coaches handle this time. It is, it is too insane uh, for me to even track. So I guess we, we we can pivot to basketball here at the last couple of minutes of the segment. I wanted I wanted to get into that oh, Otani yeah. thing a little bit more, but that can wait uh, potentially for for the next time. Yeah, the winter meetings haven't even started. That we, so. that we talked yeah. to you, but I am I'm here in Braves too. We'll we'll see we'll see what happens there. Uh, so so I'm worried about the Cubs. Speaking of guys that we're talking, you know, that are in, in the in the room right now, uh, but. Uh, last well, night, well, and that—that's something you don't hear very often. I think the Cubs. Yeah. Went on, I, I thought I thought Otani wants to win. If he wants to continue <laughs> to be in third and fourth place, I don't know why why he would go with the Cubs. There, but all right, there you go, Drew. All right, so so uh, uh, Janai Broom, uh, thirty points, and, and Auburn uh, picks up their uh, fifth straight win last night against Virginia Tech. You were there, uh, Justin. What did you uh, What did you see out of the team? I thought it was a really good key for Auburn. Like, think about this. College basketball, scoring in college basketball is through the roof right now. Um, there are, I looked at it today, there are, I think it's like something ar- around the lines of like 80-something teams in college basketball that are averaging 80 or more points a uh, game so far this year. You look at this date last year, it was only 30-something in college basketball. 
Scoring is through the roof. And yet Auburn is in their best stretch of defensive games that they've played uh, in over a decade. Um, they since first time since 2007, 2008 season that they have held a team to 60 or less in five straight games. The fact that Auburn won a kind of rock fight shooting matchup mm-hmm. against a Virginia Tech team that is pretty good on the offensive end and has been for most of the season, I think is a great sign. When you look at how much shooting and scoring is up in college basketball this year, and this Auburn, this Auburn team that came into the season with all these questions about their defense, they're winning with defense, and they won that game last night with defense. Now their offense wasn't, you know, they still had to score. They still scored seventy some points in that game, which is good. But it was that defense to offense. I mean, I think the gap between I think Auburn had twenty seven more points off of turnovers in this game than um, than Virginia Tech did. So even though Auburn didn't shoot well at all in this game, they took care of the ball. And they forced a ton of turnovers with their length and their intensity and the disruptiveness. I thought the crowd played a great part in this one as well. And they were just able to turn that into easy offense. When your shots aren't falling, turn defense into offense. And the fact that Auburn, this early in the season, has, has goes up against a power conference team and wins with defense, that's a great sign because I didn't know if Auburn was going to get to that point this early in the year. So, Really, really good game. Tech had no answer for Virginia, uh, for, for Jani Broom at all. Or Chad, um, or Chad early on. Well, while he was, yeah, before he hurt his excellent. hand, and then when and then when Chad wasn't scoring as much in the second half, Trey Donaldson picks up Aiden yep. Holloway. Aiden, I, you know, Aiden, rough night for for him offensively. Still, really good plus minus in the game, but he had had several steals. But you know, I felt like Aiden was kind of maybe forcing the shot a little bit too much, trying to hunt it a little bit, and it, it just getting frustrated. Well, here comes Trey Donaldson to pick Auburn's offense up and help him, and they just. They just kept everybody, you know, they kept Virginia Tech at arm's length the whole game, and that's, that's a really, really good time for this team. But, yeah, Jani Broom, phenomenal. Look like the all-SEC center uh, that he is. And, and, I mean, you look at him statistically, uh, saw it, you know, tweeted about it this morning. On Kim Palm, Jani Broom's number seven in the country in their national player of the year ranking. So, like, right now, uh, he is playing some phenomenal basketball. And, obviously, last night, first 30-point game since Jabari against Vanderbilt a couple years ago. I mean, just – they had no answer for him, and Auburn's depth and length and athleticism just, I mean, Virginia Tech just, just wore out in that game, and uh, Auburn, Auburn played that one to a tee. The scouting, the execution of the, of the game plan all went well, and when you, do, you can do that, and, and when you can do that and overcome the fact you don't shoot very well and still win a game like that, I think that says a lot about where this team's headed. Oh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, when you have a game – uh, like you said, I mean, Auburn goes two of 16 shooting threes, and this is going to be, I still believe, this is going to be a good three-point shooting team. Yeah. You do something like that, and you win by 17 against, right. I mean, it may not be the, the the flashiest opponent or anything, but I, I liked the way Auburn handled the pressure that Virginia Tech tried to put on them on the perimeter and the way they defended the perimeter last night. Yeah, I mean, a lot of full credit. Bruce Pearl's after game goes to the scout. I thought Auburn matched up really well with what Virginia Tech did, their length and their athleticism. I mean, they Hunter Couture is a really good player, and he got some he got some buckets there, but he wasn't much of a factor. And then Sean Padula. Sean Padula was one of the most experienced players in the in the country uh, at the point guard spot. He had probably his worst game at Virginia Tech last night. Uh, it was like oh a seven from the there oh nine from the field had seven turnovers. Like Auburn really gave him a lot of problems and. And then it was just like, hey, Virginia Tech's got a really good center. Auburn's got a really good center. Who's better? And in that game, it was definitely Jani, and, and, and it showed it. But, yeah, I mean, I thought the eight-day break, 
heading into Virginia Tech was perfect for Auburn. I know there were some concerns, and Bruce even talked about it a little bit about being rusty. They didn't look rusty. They are off to a great start. They used that extra time to prepare for a Virginia Tech team under Mike Young that does a lot of different things on offense, and Auburn just seemed to have an answer for everything Tech threw at them. That's really good scouting. That's really good preparation. And that's just really good execution of a game plan, and and that's how you that's how you win a game where you, a when you're not shooting well, you're you're able to still you know just keep a team down and just tell them. I mean, I, I think uh, I, I looked for it last night. You know, Auburn started the game off. They they took an eleven to one lead. Uh, Virginia Tech only got within seven once the rest of the game, and it was a twenty two second uh, mm-hmm. you know run there um, when they when they had it. So. I mean, Auburn just really just was in total control of the game, and that's and that's that's great. And and they did it, again. They did it with defense, which has to be really commended with the way college basketball has been so far this season. No question about it. We're about out of time, Justin. I know you're you're gonna make the trip up into the up into the mountains as Auburn going to um, uh, going to App State this uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Yep, yeah. Sunday. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting game. Sellout crowd for App State. They have been really geared up for this one. Really, hey, a, really, really. I think we're 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 right up, we're right up against it, right? We're really, so, right, sorry, but, about that. sorry about that. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Gonna, go, I couldn't hear the mu- I couldn't yeah. hear the music. My bad. Yeah, well, that's all right. No, but but uh, let everybody let everybody know about uh, the observer from from our uh, uh, nominated award winner. <laughs> Appreciate it. AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. Tomorrow, mailbag and podcast. Dan will be on that. We'll talk basketball and a little football. And like I said, I'll be at App State this weekend. You'll get all the coverage uh, from, from me up in Moon. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. Great stuff, Justin. Have a good trip. We'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all. And we're back to wrap it up for hour number one right after this. Experience and knowledge from Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. <laughs> The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here on this Thursday early evening. Our thanks to Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer joining us for a couple of segments there in hour number one. And he'll be headed up to App State for Auburn's Sunday matchup there. The Tigers last night moved to 5-1, and one, their fifth straight victory, as they win their matchup in the ACC-SEC Challenge, which went 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, the, the SEC won four that? games the first night. The ACC wins four. It looked like... Things weren't things weren't going so well early on last night for the SEC, but they turned it around late. So every game ended up being really important, and yes. because you know because every game could have swung it one way or the other. So yeah, yeah a win for Auburn protecting the SEC's draw in the uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in the tournament. And something we didn't mention in the first hour. Uh, I mean, just a a lot of focus on the energy like i watching the tv broadcast back today it was lively last night i mean it really came through and there's been discussion about uh how lively i'll tell you bud walton arena also fairly yeah lively. it was rocking last that, night as last they knocked night. off the uh, knocked off duke yeah and that's a team that had been struggling and dealing with yep. injuries and uh, even uh, d- despite all that they still beat 
a, a top 10 team and pick up a really nice win. But but yeah, some uh, uh, some 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 lively crowds last night in college basketball, Bill. All right. Uh, hour number two of the drive brought to you, as usual, by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. We'd love for you to join in. You can give us a call on the drive hotline presented by Skybar, that number 334-321-1390. You can also text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Uh, They also sponsor the podcast, available however you listen to podcasts. Let's get to the uh, drive hotline. Inspector is up first. Hey, Inspector. Hey, guys. uh, Listen, let me get this out before you start filibustering my call, okay? I heard what Ferguson said, and I agree with most of what he said. And uh, this infatuation with the quarterback portal has got to stop. We have got to start concentrating, even in our talk shows and stuff like that. We've got to concentrate on getting and building an offensive line and get our defensive tackles in there. And, you know, I've heard all year long about the support of Peyton Thorne. Well, okay. He's a mediocre quarterback at best, middle tier. And we've got him. We've got to live with him and see what he can do with an offensive line that is above par. And, you know, that's, that's where I stand with this. And uh, unless we can get a Cam Newton out of the portal, I don't want to see another quarterback come in here. We've got two good quarterbacks sitting on the bench. They've got to be developed. Uh, you know, Ashford, from what little bit I've seen him play – all year long, he hadn't had a chance to even show if what he can do. Okay, he's been in for two or three plays, and all of a sudden he did bad. Well, how many plays has Peyton Thorne had that were bad? So, you know, get, get Holden in there and, and develop him. He's a four-star quarterback. So, you know, if we're going to do this, we need to concentrate on the offensive line and the defensive tackles. Quit talking about this. What? How many quarterbacks are in the portal and what they look like and so on and forth. We, you know, we got Peyton Thorne. We, we got him. We got to live with him. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> no, <laughs> All right, Spectre. No, no. I mean, I, I don't disagree with with uh, a lot of the the premises there. I mean, there's no question. This staff last year focused on the offensive line. They had a better offensive line this year than last year. They need a better offensive line, especially pass blocking. And if you look, the first three players that we saw that Auburn offered in the transfer portal are all offensive linemen. You know, Specter, I I was bracing myself with you. You know, with the filibuster thing, I was bracing my you know myself for something I was really going to disagree with, and and I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that if Auburn made the right moves elsewhere and retained this quarterback room they could win a lot more next year than they did this year. Like I I think that I think that's absolutely possible if they want to prioritize quarterback in the portal. You know, I I understand with the with the options available why they might want to do that. But no, I I think that if you if you make the right moves around Peyton Thorne or whoever whoever the quarterback or, is or needs whoever it is better better talent around him and and your and your point about the defensive line is a pretty good one too I think that's very you important. Know, I, I think some folks might wait until Marcus Harris makes it official with the NFL draft before they start noticing you know how how shaky uh, things seem to be but you know Bills Bills doing his depth chart and he doesn't have Marcus Harris on it and 
And he and he no, knows. I, that. I hope I hope I do add him back. But but no, I mean right now, Auburn doesn't have any any experience at all really at, at that spot. Yeah, let, let's start talking about the defensive tackle and, and offensive tackle and other people on the on these trench players and uh, concentrate on that and start talking about it. find out what JUCO has to offer. I mean, we, we used to live on JUCO. I mean, Appalachia State lived off of JUCO players. And had, they got several championships off of it. But the portals kind of ruined that for us. But, uh, yeah, when I was talking about filibuster, Dan, I, I was more basically talking about me getting my point out before I got interrupted. I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Hey, the music's yeah, playing, Spectre, so no, no. But, hey, but, Dan, I got to ask you one Dan, I got to ask you one other thing before I leave. All right. You ain't planning on transferring to Troy, are you? I'm not transferring. No, I mean I've I've been doing some uh, I'm doing some basketball for him on on ESPN. You've, you've Plus. done it for a couple of years now. Yeah, it's, it's my, yeah, my sixth I, I season. Know, but I know how that temptation comes when they start waving those dollar bills in front of your face. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what I I do I do okay, but the, you know the radio station takes pretty good care of me too. So so I'm not I'm not necessarily filing for free agency uh, quite yet. But <laughs> but you know what nil um, you know I I do. I you know I I I also have a name an image and a likeness so you you, know, you never know, you never know Spectre never say I'll never. Send you, I'll send you my agent's card. Yeah, I mean I got people who are giving me uh, offers to stop doing this show. I know there I've I've heard several of those where pe- people have you know passed the hat around uh, for uh, for that. So no, pre- appreciate it, Spectre. Good stuff. All right, thank you guys. All right, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Love to hear from you. Again, uh, we've got Dylan Cardwell coming up as our Tiger Take segment at the bottom of the hour. But until then, we're wide open. Talked with Brian and Jason and, uh, and, and Justin this week, guys who follow yep. uh, you know, Auburn's, uh, Auburn's roster developments pretty closely. Do you suspect when the portal opens up, or even before, I guess, the portal officially opens up? Because like you said, players who are, you know, the portal is open now to... Graduate transfers or players who, who've, uh, who are on teams that have had coaching changes. Do you expect um, Auburn to be pretty active on the defensive line? I uh, absolutely do. Players? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 right now, I don't know who all is out there that is available. But, um, but, but yeah, Auburn does, just doesn't have many numbers, and they've already had two players announce that they're entering the portal and that are defensive linemen, young defensive linemen. I don't think defensive line is a position where it's binary, where you have to choose. Oh, we're either gonna we're either gonna develop young players or we're gonna you get as in. many of those guys as you can. Yeah, I think Auburn's gonna try to win recruiting battles for the best high school mm-hmm. defensive linemen possible. But they're also probably gonna want to build a bridge until as many of those guys are ready. Where yeah, if they can find, I mean, look what they did this past year, right between. Uh, I mean, I mean, Justin Rogers, Justin Rogers, Lawrence Johnson, and Marilyn Moe. Right. And, and, and that there's one right there that is interesting. He's out of eligibility, but he only played in four games this year before he was injured and missed the rest of the year. Uh, I have heard that Auburn is checking or asking about the possibility of getting a medical red shirt. Okay, so Marilyn Moe's uh, book might not be uh, completely. Uh, you know, the, the, the Maybe it's not completely written. Shut. Yeah, we're not we're yeah. not totally finished uh, write, writing that uh, that book yet. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Back to the drive hotline, and Brett is next. Hey, Brett. Hello, Brett. Hey, uh, Bill. Tell me where you got the ball penciled in on your depth chart. Which position? Well, right now I still have him at strong end, but I mean Jason uh, was talking, and, and I don't doubt the fact that he could move inside 
and fill in there where Marcus has played. But then that that leaves me with one less guy there on the outside. So they need they need some bodies. Yeah. How about um any word on uh oh Reed and Denod? Do people expect them back? Uh, I wonder if there was a there was a there was a legal situation involving Wilkie Denod, wasn't right. there? Right, that, that popped up. He's still he's still showing on the roster. Yeah, but but did he appear in a game? No, he uh, did not this year. I, I'm not sure Wilkie Denod appeared in any capacity. So I wonder how much of his inactivity this year may have been uh, disciplinary. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and and with players like that, often you know you're not you're not terribly shocked to see them go into the portal. I would think if if Wilkie Denod is back next year. He has the profile of a guy who could contribute. Oh, you're in, right. In, in his second Absolutely year, right. With with a team, I, I just wonder if that's uh, if if that's where things are going right now. All right, here, here, Brett. Here are the only guys that that I feel you know right now are going to be back. Love to have Marcus Harris join this group, but at the at that strong side defensive end or the uh, at that defensive tackle spot is Keldrick Falk, and then Zykevius Walker. Bobby Jamison, Travis, who only got in two games after being a junior college transfer. And then you mentioned Deron Reed and, and Wilkie Denaud. And that's it. Those are the guys. The only, the only two inside linemen would be uh, Justin Rogers and Jason Jones. And uh, you, you'd, like, you'd like some young guys behind them, too, or competing with them. Yeah. And uh, McLeod, do you think he'll be back? I believe so, yeah. Uh, everybody that I've talked to, uh, seems to feel like yes, he'll be back. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Brett. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And uh, we'll go ahead and get to our first break of hour number two. Come on in and join us as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Whether you're a senior golfer or pro athlete, high school football player, or little league superstar, injury free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 16 minutes after five o'clock here on this Thursday evening, Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls and back to the drive hotline presented by Skybar. And John is up next. Hey, John. How y'all doing this evening? Pretty good. Hey, I had uh, had two questions for you. had a had a basketball question and a football recruiting question. I was I, w- I think it was Daryl Daffrich I heard after the basketball game last night compared Chad Baker Mazzara to Bryant Smith, another Southpaw from you know about twenty five years ago. I was thinking about that comparison today. I feel like Baker Mazzara has more length defensively than Bryant Smith did. And I mean, even even he was an All SEC player, you know, twenty five years ago on those Cliff Ellis teams. Yeah, CBM in my mind is, is he's he's quicker. He is, um, I mean, he, he's a little lankier. I mean, I guess you know the fact that he's a lefty and he played out there, uh, but but I think Chad is more uh, like instant energy when he comes in both offensively. And defensively, where Bryant was more that steady, uh, you, you might not notice it as much, but you look up and he's got twelve and seven. It seemed like every game. Yeah, I would, I would, I would think of Chad as sort of a hybrid of Malik Dunbar and Samir. Like I think that, oh, I that's, think a, that's, got, a, that's a that's a good combo. I think he's got traits. From, I think too. he's got traits of both of those guys. Not not necessarily as 
as as ball dominant maybe as as Samir was at times. His and, his lankiness reminds me a little bit of Jameson Brewer, which I know is a different position. Right. But yeah, Jameson was a point. But, about him. Yeah, he he's got and, he's got such length. His arms seem to be extremely long for his height, and I mean he's so quick at being able to get the hands in there. At times he's a little over aggressive. But I, I I love what we've seen from him so far. Absolutely, absolutely. Had a football recruiting question for you guys. I understand the difference between an official and an unofficial visit. Uh-huh. My question is, on official visits in the days of NIL, what all can a player be comped? I know it's merchandise. I know it's food. Housing is put up. Are there subsidies given along with um, – Along with that, on an official. No, no. I mean, uh, the 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 main, you know, obviously the main difference in the official and unofficial is you pay for their transportation and you pay for their uh, pay for their lodging. But I mean, other than that, right. it's uh, it's still the way it has been. Now, the thing is, uh, on visits now, players uh, are made can be made aware of collectives, and then it's up to the collective to uh, to to sort of uh, get the information to the to the recruit and their family as to what they can they can help them gotcha. with. Gotcha. Okay, and so a secondary question I ha- a secondary question I have for you mm-hmm. is um, with uh, with transfer portal and all that, if a player is in the portal, how do those visits go? Those are all unofficial. There's nothing where a team has a set number of officials for transfer portal, correct? No, as far they they are like official visits though because you you can you you pay for those uh, you pay for those visits as well. Uh yeah, recruits, I don't I, I don't think there is recruits can take unlimited numbers of officials now, right? Portal, yeah, in in the uh in both, right? I I don't know if there's is there a limit to the number of official visits a kid in the portal can take? Uh, I'm not sure that, there is. That's a good question. I'm not sure that there is either. I think, and, I'm, and I'm not sure if there's a limit to the number of official visits a program can host involving players from the transfer portal. That's something I am not aware of either. I think that is pretty much just up to the um, – That's up to your, your budget. Up to the budget yeah. of, of each athletic department. Well, the rich get richer. Hey, yes. guys, I've, I've enjoyed the show for decades. Y'all have a great day. Appreciate the call, John. And that is, that's a really good question. I – I have not been asked that, and I have not really thought about that. But it would make sense that there is some kind of parameters, but I don't know that there are. I don't know if there I mean, are. I mean, I've read plenty about and, transfer portal. And you wouldn't want to. Help me out if, well, if you well, know. No, but, but also, I mean, think about, think about places that bring in 50 transfers, right? I mean, I mean, is there really a limit to? Yeah, I mean, it, could, it, it obviously is not counting against your official visits that you're getting from high school and junior college recruits because that limit is 56. And you don't want to cap it at a number that year. would limit that would seemingly limit the number of, of players that a program can take, right? Because the NCAA has made it clear they don't want to. It may be, you know, maybe there's a cap as maybe it has something to do with how many players you lose would or you how many scholarships you, would you have. Would you be surprised if it turns out that we're right and there's actually no cap on the number of I would not be surprised. Like, no, I, I don't think so either. Like, I think that would, I mean – Maybe there is a rule in place as far as how many official visits, but it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair if you lost a lot of players. If there's say a coaching change, you lose a lot of players. You'd need to be able to bring in a lot, exactly. Because see, just because you bring a player in doesn't mean you're going to sign them. Seems like it seems like the Deion Sanders strategy would sort of hinge on being able to. Oh yeah, if Deion could only have brought in forty players, 
Because he lost 40? Exactly. You'd have to go 40 for 40 to fill your roster up. Yeah, so I mean, I, I would yeah, think that's not that gonna for, happen. for places that, that brought in, uh, you, know, 50, you know, 50 players from the transfer portal, uh, you know, may, maybe they, uh, yeah, may, may, maybe they, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that rule exists. That's a, that's a great question, John. I'm, I'm glad he asked that. I will, I will do my best to find to you find know a the couple, answer. You know a couple of people. Who yeah, need, I know who a couple of people we can check with You know a couple of people who need to I know a couple of places I can look when I've got time to to find out. I mean, you know, I, I sadly used to used to know what page on the NCAA rule books you you look for things. I could probably, you know what? That might be a Jasher Cox question too. I feel like Jasher is somebody who would know some of oh, those. Somebody rules. in athletics administration. Yeah, I, I would think. I would think that's you know our old buddy who might, might be, hope they would know. might be listening. But but it, yeah, you you know some people who need to know those rules. Yep. So so we'll yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll try to get an answer for you. Yep. Good good hearing from you, John. Um, yeah, that that will be uh, interesting to see. I mean, because we're already seeing. That, um, you know, there, there have been players that have entered the portal that have already posted on social media that they've been offered by Auburn. They haven't visited yet. Now, see, that's the thing. A lot of these players aren't going to make a ton of visits. Most of them made a lot of visits when they were being recruited out of high school. And they sort of have an idea where they want to go. And if they go somewhere and, it, and that's what they want, okay, you won't see them saying, wait, because also schools are looking to try to fill those vacancies as quickly as they can. And if a player comes in and says, well, I'll get back to you after I visit three or four more schools, that spot may not be open either. Now, there, there's some, there are obviously some exceptions to the rule. We were talking about, you know, high profile, some high profile players that are, that can name the school that aren't, Aren't uh, waiting for offers. Well, it's it's, it's just, and I think just, different. Justin Ferguson alluded to this too. I mean, so much of this is behind the scenes. Oh yeah, so much of this is, you know, the the information trickles out by rumor. Oh, by the time a player is in the portal, many times I mean, they already know where they're going. I'm not calling anyone. I wanted to take Max Johnson. I'm not. Oh, you're right. I'm not, I'm not calling anyone dishonest either. But but there's also the question of you know when when a player goes on social media and says they have an offer from a place. How concrete is is that offer? How sure, like that's true. I mean, but there's... when a player goes on social media and says they're going to enter the portal, they've probably already been contacted by uh, representatives for for collectives at other, th- and that, as far as I know, that is not illegal. Yeah, I, that's, that's it's illegal for the school to do that, but the collectives are not. The school. I don't know what I don't know as far as you know the NCAA's appetite for investigating tampering by NIL collectives right. or by, um, by 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 runners and agents and things like that behind the scenes. Like I think they would they would probably care if you could prove a coach was involved mm-hmm. in in oh, somewhat yes. in somewhat direct contact. But I think everything else feels sort of in in that gray area. And uh, and yeah, who who was it? Was Matt Rule? Earlier this yes. week, talking about how you know you, you wouldn't believe how much what it what it take what it well, costs not, to not, get a quality quarterback. Not just the money, but also he he alluded to how many behind the scenes uh, folks are involved in in this you know runners and agents and ex coaches. Did they not, did they not bring and, in a quarterback this past year? I, I, uh, they they brought in the the one from Georgia Tech. Yeah. So I mean, he's pretty much admitting here. It, here's here's the way it goes and. We got this guy. And he's, yeah, well, I mean, he, he's, li- he's living in the society, too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, hey, another football note that we haven't mentioned today. The SEC championship game, obviously, Saturday afternoon, Alabama and Georgia. 
And it's going to be staying at Mercedes-Benz through 2031. So we've got uh, another eight years for sure of the SEC championship game being played there in Atlanta. By then it'll be time to replace Mercedes-Benz, right? I'm with sure a, it will. With a, with a new stadium. By then, how big will the SEC be? <laughs> I mean, there won't be any division. Won't be division winners next year for the first time ever. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to play it somewhere closer to the California schools that have joined the SEC by then, right? Yeah, did you see? Did you see that uh, the, the map of the Big Ten last week that came out? It's, it's like it's like somebody just drew, uh, you know, drew the the oval around. No, it, it's the, the, the heartland of America uh, from east to west. Well, it is. It's 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 baseball when two teams went to California, right? Like that's, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's the major league. It's basically the t- the territories from you know from from the what the you know the the, Dodgers, yeah, the Braves the were in the Braves Giants. were in the NL West. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. It's 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 yeah. it's like the it's it's baseball with yeah with the, with the two there's there's two sort of fringe California teams that have joined it. And that people think about the football schedules, every other sport, it's just it's just going to be a nightmare unless it's really carefully planned. You know these these trips are just going to be you know mid oh mid midweek trips to Michigan State are just going to. I mean yeah, football is not the problem with the travel. Yeah. And all these, I mean, and a lot of these moves are made to get the best football product possible. Uh, sure, you know, they for, are for, for the broadcast networks. But and, and I don't know that basketball, baseball. I mean, it's baseball with three game series. Where, how do you work that out? Yeah, I mean, it's, especially with you know some of the climates of those Big Ten uh, uh, schools as as well during during baseball. Maybe season. they'll so just got, have like a spring. Maybe they'll go out and everybody in the Big Ten moves out west. Place, to place, play games out on the West Coast. SC. Everybody just yeah. uses SC's park all the time. Um, that you know, that's 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 an idea. Uh, there's there's a couple Arizona. Maybe the spring training parks right. that are empty. You know, during the they'll, they'll just play Big Ten baseball uh, out there. Uh, the uh, um, Arizona won't want that there in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I'm not sure that's uh, yeah. You're. <laughs> they'll, oh. they'll find it. They'll find a way. Hey, before we get to our bottom of the hour break, got to get to need to get your thoughts since you won't be here tomorrow. I won't be. On the uh, on the championship games that get started Friday with the with the Pac-12, there's some there's some big favorites for conference championships. Is Oregon in with a win? I think they are. I think they are too. I think that it would be. I mean, they're nine and a half point favorites. Would they be? Would they Washington, be the team? An unbeaten team. Now, now are they a team that would be in danger of being passed over in favor of the SEC champion and Texas if Alabama won? I don't know that they would. I mean, because they would have knocked Washington back to the one-loss group. But here's too. no. Here's the thing, though. If you so so, it's got uh, Texas. If if they're both twelve and one, Texas needs to go over Alabama. Yes. Does I, or, I would think does, so. Does Oregon need to go over Alabama? Well, they're ahead of them right now, they're ahead of them and now. they're playing. They're playing the number three team. But they're not playing number one Georgia. But Alabama is Alabama's three spots back. I know. I don't think so. I don't. I think Oregon should be in with a win. I don't know. I think Oregon wins. No, that's, that's what's going to be interesting, unless everything's just we'll chalk. Talk, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk yeah, some more. We'll about talk some play. more about that after we spend some time with Dylan Cardwell on Tiger Takes here on the other side on the Thursday Drive. 
ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Thursday evening. Time now for our Tiger Take segment brought to you by the Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. And we are pleased to be joined. Our, our, first, um, our, our first of, we're looking forward to many uh, Tiger Takes with Auburn Senior Center Dylan Cardwell here on the on the drive. Dylan, it's uh it's Bill and Dan here. How you doing today? I'm blessed. I'm good. Um, living life and doing good. Hey, you always seem to be doing well. I mean, let's let's talk let let's talk about this before we get into basketball a little bit. You genuinely seem to enjoy just living life, man. I mean, just being uh playing, attending, just being at Auburn, just I'd love to hear the the story of you know uh, how long you have have felt this way because it feels like man you are Auburn through and through. Yeah, you know a lot of that just comes from my relationship with God. You know, um, without God I can't do a lot of things, and you know it's all about perspective. You know, I, I would just believe life's about perspective, and life's going to be as good as bad, as good or as bad as you want it to go, just based on your perspective and how you look at things and. You know, I've had a lot of things taken away from me, and I've had a lot of things given to me, but, you know, my perspective on it all has kept me, you know, grounded in my faith. And so that's pretty much where it all kind of stems from, is just my perspective on life. I'm very grateful uh, to have what I have and to experience what I've experienced, because, you know, no matter how bad we feel like our lives are, you know, it can always get worse. And just that attitude of gratitude has really helped me um, just grow and be more joyous each and every day. You know, one thing that, uh, that that I imagine people really like about seeing you at the football game, supporting the team as much as you do, and, and other sports oh, as yeah. well, but, but you know, on, on the Jumbotron and things, is that there's a feeling of camaraderie between the student-athletes at Auburn, which, you know, we've been talking a lot on today's show about the transfer portal and NIL and how at, at times when you see totally made-over rosters featuring players that were on different teams last year, things can feel a little bit mercenary. But yeah. at, at, but at Auburn, especially with players that have been here for a couple of years, you know, at, 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 at times, you know, th- things can sort of transcend the business of college athletics. And I, I, I don't know, I guess, I guess you're, you know, the, the, the support you've gotten from other teams and other student athletes at, at basketball games, you know, what does that mean to you? And, and you know, do you, uh, do, do you, you know, what's, what does it feel like to, uh, to be able to to share some of that love as a uh, you know as as a fan at football games and other sporting events, yeah, it just means the world knowing that you know your your fellow student athletes you know have your back because they can relate with what we're going through as far as scheduling and and games and, and missing class and stuff like that. So they know they know the struggle, and it's just fun seeing those guys in the stands. You know, uh, whether it's soccer or gymnastics or volleyball or football, it's, it's fun seeing those guys in the stands. They could be off doing better things like for the exams and stuff like that. So I appreciate the love when they're coming to the game, and I'm sure they appreciate the love when I'm coming to their games. Talking with <clears throat> Dylan Cardwell here on the Thursday edition of The Drive with Bill and Dan. And, uh, Dylan, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little uh, We'll talk a little on the court. I mean, 
Um, nice, you know, nice to get your fifth straight win last night after an eight-day delay. Some folks were wondering. I know Bruce had had expressed a little bit of concern about some rustiness, but you come out and and you jump all over Virginia Tech last night and and really never let up. I uh, uh, we were talking earlier. They never made it. They never got closer than seven points after you guys get out to a ten-point lead earlier. Just, uh, you know, t- talk about repping the SEC there in the ACC-SEC Challenge. You know, I'll, I'll make a joke, you know, off the record. <laughs> I know it's on the record, but, you know, I, I just I just guess he wanted seconds with Thanksgiving. You know, I ain't have enough turkey on Thanksgiving <laughs> Day. So, but, um, no, it was very important for us to stay sharp in practice. And, you know, Bruce Pearl and the guys did an amazing and wonderful job with the scout and make sure that we were sharp because it's very hard to be off eight days and then play a team that just played you know, three games in four days. Uh, we were expecting them to be um, very sharp, but also a little fatigued with playing just just playing in the tournament against great opponents. So uh, it, was, it was a great win, and it was, good, it was a good feeling knowing that, you know, we had an eight-day break and we could still come back and compete and not be as sloppy. I really got a kick out of uh, uh, Coach Pearl's question at the post-game press conference. Oh, when, when he took the mic? When he, yeah. when he took the microphone. I, I, I assume you know what I'm talking about. And uh, and and he uh, he asked uh, uh, Janai about about uh, you know what's it like playing for a coach who's screaming his head off and and uh, that blank crazy yeah and go and going <laughs> I can't say we're terrestrial radio so I can't say exactly what he said but you know when when you have a coach who is really uh, you know he, he wants he wants to see intensity and effort even when the team is up comfortably close to the end of a game you know what's it like playing for a coach like that and and, and what's it like contributing to uh, to an effort like that yeah you know it seems only as good as a leader is in my personal opinion and you know uh we just we try to rise to the occasion that you know our coach holds himself to and that's a great thing to, that's a great thing to do and a great he's a great person to play for because no matter who we're playing he holds us to the highest uh standard while also respecting the game you know just because we're up 20 or we're up 15 doesn't mean we can throw all alleys off the glass and you know, showboat and stuff like that. He wants us to win and, and beat these teams, but do it with class and just respect and honor of the game. So, you know, uh, he's a very fun guy to play for, especially, you know, me being a senior. You like When I first got here, I didn't understand the antics and stuff. But the older I got, the more I came to love him and really appreciate and understand that, you know, his message is, is in the message and not in the tone. And that's once we learn that, you know, as a team, we'll understand that uh, we just, we'll, be, we'll be a way greater team. Let, let's talk about this 23-24 Tiger team. I mean, Dan mentioned a while ago he was uh, that we've been talking about uh, transfer portal and things like that. You, I, I really feel that this team has surprising chemistry, and, you know, we've seen it with, I'm sure a lot of it goes to Bruce Pearl, but it depends on you and the players that have been here to welcome the other guys in that are competing for playing time and creating the depth that we're seeing on this team. Yeah, we did a lot of eating together over the summer, and that's something that we haven't done in years past. You know, BP um, really emphasized getting, getting to know those guys around us because, you know, last year's team wasn't as connected with uh, chemistry-wise as this year's team, even though we had a, a chance to go to Israel. So every day um, we had breakfast at 9 a.m. as a team, we all sit. We all sit at one table in the wellness kitchen, and we really got to, you know get to know each other as well as like you know just crack jokes, have locker room talk, and really just enjoy each other's presence. So that helped us go a long way, and you know it's paying dividends. It's going to continue to pay dividends. 
Yeah, last night of the of of the newcomers, I mean the 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 moments last night, I thought that that Chad Baker Mazar was able to uh, to, to showcase uh, his, his explosion. Where you know that, that that's something else. What's it What's it like? You know, get, getting to see up close uh, when, when when Chad tries to do some of that stuff. Man, I'm not gonna lie, man. I told Chad the other day he's the most unathletic dunker I've ever seen in my life. Like he he. I don't understand how he dunks the ball. He rim raises every dunk, but apparently he just likes it. He has the most dunks I think on the team, which is kind of crazy to think about. Or uh, he probably had, he's probably up there, but um, it's just very fun to see him get going. And and he makes a lot of tough shots, and he's a very tough cover. And I'm just very excited to see it play with play with a guy like Chad because I would hate to play against him. Hey, the the place nearly. I mean, the place exploded last night when he nearly uh, got that follow, which ended up being a nice pass for a three. But I mean, that was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, that was insane. You know, that was a, a really crazy play. I don't think I've heard of the crowd get that hype for a missed dunk ever. <laughs> well, I mean, when it results in an immediate three, too, it makes it makes it a whole lot of fun. Now, let's talk a little bit about your game. You you have really worked, and Bruce has talked about this. Uh, I mean, yeah, completely different free throw style, and uh, I, I really, you know, didn't didn't hit them all last night, but I mean. You you are much more proficient at the free throw line. Just talk about what all that's been like going through this and how you feel now. Yeah, you know I've always been a hard worker on my free throw. Like I've I've spent countless hours in the gym each and every day working on my free throw and just really never seen the fruits of my labor pay off. But um, you know I had the energy and everything going, but I just think, I don't think I had the right you know the right technique. And you know uh, there's this guy named uh, Tommy Tempesta who is the shooting coach for. Um, Ah, oh, see his face, man. Golly, who's a guy co- uh, coach? Had... Anyway, some player, the Tobias Harris. I'm my fault. So, yeah, so he's Tobias Harris shooting coach, and mm-hmm. obviously the Tobias Harris connection is Bruce Pearl at Tennessee. Uh, he came down and worked with me for about an hour, and literally changed my form overnight. And just continued to rep it out and getting more comfortable with it. It was. It's just been, you know, a, uh, an amazing journey. And Obviously, the job's not done, you know, just because I hit six for six one night doesn't mean I'm going to be six for six every night. And there's some ups and some downs, some learning processes. But um, really just being connected with a shooting coach that um, really understands the intricacies of each and every shot that I take has been very beneficial because no one else could really see what I was like, really struggling with. And, you know, I'm very hard on myself, so I couldn't, I couldn't understand what was going on the past couple of years. Uh, it's really cool to see uh, see Dylan when he when he hits the free throw and does the AU with the crowd as he's heading down the court too. Uh, let's l- love to get your thoughts on this team. I mean, very deep, very athletic. Uh, Bruce had been concerned about defense, and I know that's something he's always concerned about. But I thought uh, last night you guys really stepped it up and and are playing. I I believe um, very well defensively. Yeah, that's probably been our most complete game we've had. And, you know, the benefit is the depth that like you talked about. Um, West Virginia Tech had um, amazing players in the scout. Uh, but I just feel like they were just too shorthanded. Um, they didn't play the bench enough. And obviously they only played seven or eight guys. They had a couple guys down with injuries and stuff like that and obviously foul trouble. But I just feel like we just played very good together as a team. And we were very unselfish last night. And as you saw, we were very locked into our scouting report in the defense. Obviously, we can work on fouling a little bit more, um, fouling a little bit less, I mean. And but other than that, we played great defense. A lot of their points from the first half just came from free throws. So you take away half of those, it would have been a, um, a greater margin of victory. Maybe a, maybe a. 
quick whistle or two last night. That game was late enough; it didn't need to be held up anymore by the officials. D- Dylan, this is that's just that's that's this, my yeah thought. yeah. Don't say anything. To that's that, not Dylan, Dylan saying. No, that. yeah, that's, Dylan, that's Dylan didn't Bill say anything about that. the Dylan did not say anything about the officiating. Some so, of so, us had to get up and be at work early this morning. So, what are you so, talking about, uh, Dylan? This is this is going to seem like a, an odd question. Are you um are you familiar with Scott Steiner, the professional wrestler? Uh, who uh, he was? He was a, a '90s uh, wrestler, Big Papa Pump. I found out during yeah. the game. Line. So, so his son is Rex Steiner from last night's uh, on, on Virginia Tech, which I thought was kind oh, of a, a crazy, a kind of a crazy coincidence during that game. But that, that Virginia Tech team, like you mentioned, was a. Well, uh, he's not near the showman that Dylan is. Not, not quite. No, I was thinking that that's something I was I was going to pivot that to. You know the the, the question about uh you know about about Dylan's potential uh, uh you know post post basketball career. Uh, but uh, but no, yeah, you're, you're, it's it's a Virginia Tech team, like Dylan said, that that had been uh, had been had been playing really well this year. Didn't want to didn't want to trample your question too much there with the Rick Stewart, the uh, Scott Steiner stuff, Bill. No, no, no. Just uh, uh, Dylan, if you would, in the uh, little we'll get, bit we'll of time we have we'll left, get an App State preview. Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to talk about App State and then the the schedule, a, a very challenging schedule that you guys have ahead. Yeah. So. Obviously, we play, we play App State this Sunday. We haven't had practice yet. This is our off day, so we haven't had a chance to um, look at them yet. So I have no idea what they look like or um, what they do as of yet. But one thing I do know is that App State has an amazing fan base. Um, I actually uh, went to Oak Hill, so it's about 45 to an hour uh, mm-hmm. car drive uh, from Boone. So I'm familiar with their fan base, and obviously they have that tradition where they after big wins they uh, – they uh, jumped in the in the river or the pond or whatever, so hopefully it doesn't happen Sunday. But um, I'm amped to play on the road. You know, we haven't played on the road yet this season, and obviously uh, we have always kids some really tough non-conference road games. If you remember uh, two years ago, my sophomore year, when we had Jabari and Walker, we played St. Louis, and they were a tough game. Uh, I think we were down 15, and we ended up coming back and winning that game. Uh, so uh, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a tough team. It's not going to be a, a cupcake game, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, and then looking should... forward, we have Indiana, USC, uh, and um, we play that Asheville team, UNC Asheville, mm-hmm. and Huntsville. And Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Is there is there value in playing those games away from home, especially with with conference play coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks? Yeah, lots of value because the last thing you want to do is have your first away game be Arkansas in January. You know, you want to have you want to be, be battle tested and you want to have face adversity and stuff like that before. You know, this team hasn't faced much adversity uh, yet, um, but I feel like Sunday will be a good challenge. Obviously, Indiana and Atlanta will be a good challenge. So I'm, I'm excited to play away from home because that's what we need. You know, you, you need to win those, those road games in the SEC because they count a little bit more. Oh, no question about it. Uh, it. It should be a fun game. They're sold out there at App State. I know there there will be quite a few Auburn fans there, including my uh, my little sister who lives in Boone and was – wasn't one of the original Tiger Paws, but her kids went to App State. But um, well, but there'll be some Auburn fans there uh, cheering for you on Sunday, Dylan. We really appreciate you spending a little time with us. Looking forward to spending time with you throughout the season here on Tiger Takes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, before you go, let everybody know how can they uh, how can they follow you uh, so on social media. Yeah, uh, my Instagram is vdylancardwell, and my TikTok. I'm not going to take a good grief. My Twitter is uh, Dylan up next with two underscores. That's the only two social media outlets. Great stuff, Dylan. Thanks again. Good luck this weekend. Appreciate it, bud. Yes, sir. Thank you, War Eagle. Dylan Cardwell joining us. Tiger Takes, proudly presented by the Alsobrook Law Group on the web at alsolaw.com.
Thursdaydrive.com. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Thursday Drive. I'm Jessica Samuel with Opelika 